1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: For $5 a month, you can actually see the Thin Green Line interviews and other video content on patreon.com. Just search the Thin Green Line podcast on patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, and feel like you're part of the conversation. Join us.
0: Wow, Wayne, what a good conversation we just had with Christina Bob from, uh, you know, the um, the One America News Network and everything she is seeing and doing and reporting on at the Capitol, especially the just the train wreck um, at the Capitol last week, you know, when uh, it was breached. Right. And she was there. That's,
2: that's what I wanted to know because she was there. She's a reporter. Uh, something, you know, she brought up a lot of things that we haven't heard regarding the election, regarding the incident at the Capitol, because that, that tore America's heart watching that. It tore, it tore my friend's heart. It tore my heart. And, I, you know, I got to believe it, it tore every American's heart. Like I say, you know, I look at your thin green line there. It's an American flag there with a thin green line. Part of our thin green line is that we're, we're Americans through and through. And we're investigators, too. We want to know the facts. So, And there's always two sides of every story when it comes to an investigation and that's, that's, I hadn't heard Christina's side, I've heard little bits about it, but I always, and I, I say to my wife, you know, I, I hope they investigated that because that to me looks, that looks dirty, you know, but I, I put my faith in investigators, um, you know, because we were there.
0: Yeah. And one of the greatest things she pointed out is yeah, what, Again, I like you, man. I was completely heartbroken. I was angry. I was frustrated. Mm. I was utterly disappointed, you know, in our whole political system and the individuals that breached and basically desecrated, you know, parts of the Capitol. Yes, uh, Trump supporters or not, but to find out mm. that you know there's evidence of Antifa, you know, infiltration and everything, which follows suit logically, as you and I, from an yeah. investigation standpoint, know the damage that does to the old administration and what it does to placate the American public moving forward Absolutely. Um, is a scary proposition. And to have Christina actually there and have evidence and the issues of voter fraud and number tampering and stolen elections is mind-blowing because of the data she's compiled. And, you know, you and I are investigators and you know, when a certain amount of evidence is presented in front of you, it leads to a certain conclusion Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense based on evidence, based on science, not yes. conjecture, not a media report, not a manipulated message. And that's what came out of this conversation that just, you know, is mind blowing to get the inside scoop of what she's seen on the Capitol steps almost daily. So um, this one is going to blow your mind, guys, when you listen to this thing and watch it, recommend you watch it and, uh, you know, take a take a good open mind approach To what Christina has to say because it'll it'll open your eyes in a lot of ways no I think you said it right John so
2: thin green line it's you know it's just you know I want to say it's not off-topic it's not off-topic because it's American and uh, we really got to know what's going on and out there and it's part of the thin green line it's just uh,
0: yeah so I think you said it best John Well, good morning, guys. We are super excited to have a very special guest today on the Thin Green Line podcast, Miss Christina Bob. Uh, Christina is the host of the weekly briefing on One America News Network, um, right in the heart of the Capitol in Washington, D.C. But in addition to that, we've got quite a fellow Thin Green Liner and Patriot that really, you really go back to childhood as far as uh, your life of service, Christina. And uh, good morning. How are you?
3: Good morning. Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, we're really, really glad to have you, and uh, I know uh, given the media function you have right now in Washington, D.C., and given the crazy events in the Capitol last week, uh we're really glad to have you on now because this is about the hottest time in American history in, in our lives, you know, given our age bracket that that we've ever seen. And we've just been baffled by the really the craziness of, of what America is going through. So first of all, before we get into some background stuff, how are you holding up? Um, anything you want to, you know, front load before we get into some uh, where you came from and how you got where you're at uh, to be doing what you're doing and, and representing us all so well at the Capitol?
3: Yeah, well, thank you. Um we're definitely in the thick of it, both with one America news, you know, being one of the main conservative news outlets now that some of the other ones have gone the way of mainstream media. Um, so we're, we have way more news than we're able to put out and we're, we're trying to do our best to get truth out to people. And as I'm sure that you guys are aware, um, we're in an information war and the information that's being bombarded is, uh, it's stifling and it's stifling the truth. And, um, yeah, so we're we're trying to get the truth out, let the American people know what actually happened, both with the election, with um, the protest at the Capitol, uh, with the impeachment, with, you know, with everything. We're we're trying to to get the truth out, and um, yeah, we're we're in the thick of it for sure, taking some hits, but hitting back too
0: hit back to well we're, we're, we're glad you are and uh, we're going to cover a lot of those topics and some of the censorship stuff that's come up especially with the president's account and some other you know conservatives in general but take us back to the beginning before we jump into that of you have a life of service you come from a life of military veterans um, you're a military veteran yourself what brought you into that desire to serve our country at an early age and then go into media. You also did, you know, did a run in California. We're both from, uh, you were down in San Diego when I was in the Silicon Valley. I noticed uh, you made a run politically for a position there. You definitely so did your
3: research. Did. <laughs> I, yeah, I try to,
0: to be thorough, you know, and after uh, you were on another podcast that I was also on with, uh, you know, Coffee and a Mic yeah. uh, really recommended, I, I talked to you. So we've been dealing with that for a while. And then when this came up, I thought what a great time to have you on. But yeah, but yeah, take us, take us back to how it all started and, and and why you're doing what you're doing, because it's a great story.
3: Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps pretty much right out of law school, right after I passed the bar. Um, I had done the JD MBA program thinking that I wanted to do corporate law and, you know, big corporate litigation and all that, and then started to do that through law school and realized I don't want to do that <laughs> at all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no offense to corporate lawyers we're you know, grateful for you and thank you for doing what you're doing, but it was not for me. So um, I thought, you know, I'd gone through, it's a four-year program, and I had gone through that program and was like, I want adventure, I want excitement, I want, you know, I want to be excited about what I'm doing, and I was in San Diego, and I thought, you know, the Marine Corps sounds exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So I did that, and uh, it it was, it was everything I hoped for, and then some. So uh, I I joined the Marine Corps, you know, went through everything, did a tour in Afghanistan, mobilized to Stuttgart, Germany, was at Marine Forces Europe and Africa for a while, I got out for a little bit went back to San Diego worked in civil litigation at a large firm in San Diego which I'm extremely grateful for and I got some top-notch training in the litigation world and then I really missed the you know the national security aspect of it so after I mobilized to Germany I moved to wa- moved from Germany back to Washington DC where I did an LLM at Georgetown in national security law and then joined the Trump administration at the Department of Homeland Security so and then after that I joined one america news and here I am.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's an awesome awesome story and you know it's uh I noticed when you were in Afghanistan you were an operations officer so you saw the full gamut of what we were going through as far as the war on terror and what was going on in the sandbox through those mid 2000s and beyond.
3: Yeah, actually um, just a quick clarification. I was an opso in Germany working oh, on um, okay. yeah, in in Afghanistan I was a judge advocate. I was working as a judge advocate. So I worked nice. with ops. I was very, you know, closely with them mm-hmm. but Yeah. That's Germany.
0: Very cool. Very cool. But then after coming back, once you started your media career, um, you, your media career has really, like we said in the beginning of the show, it has dropped at one of the most polarizing times in America, you know, and we don't, get overly political necessarily on the thin green line but when it comes to things like national security public safety you know unifying the masses regardless of where you sit on either side of the political fence um, these are issues that are just hot even outside of environmental purity and conservation where you know Wayne and I come from backgrounds of being career game wardens um, but one thing we've seen both on the left and the right everybody loves their environment Everybody loves their water quality. Everybody loves wildlife. And, you know, if you've had a history of growing up hunting and fishing or hiking or being an outdoorsman or outdoor woman, um, or you haven't, or you've been part of the urban society, you know, the, the modern society of the digital age and in a, in a very urban environment where you don't get in the outdoors that much, people still seem to kind of love it. And we noticed through COVID and the pandemic and with lockdowns, this surge of interest in the outdoors, um, For instance, hunting and fishing license sales went up 30 to 40% nationally in April and May in about a month and a half period, which was unheard of. And we had a lot of traditional non-hunters, largely from the left side of the political spectrum, um, that had never been exposed to that, suddenly thinking – I might have to supply for my family, and oh my gosh, I've never handled a weapon. I might have to subsistence hunt. What do I got to do? So they're getting hunting licenses, they're buying guns. You know, I mean, obviously, it's no new news that gun sales are off the charts right now, regardless of where you sit on the political fence. So, if you can find a gun, talk to us a little bit about
1: what you guys have <laughs> seen
0: with that on the uh, you know on the on the news front in Washington.
3: I'm um, sorry, seeing. What was it specifically about the news front?
0: Just what you've seen with this, you know, this surge of. Um... Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. It's really interesting. And you I mean, you make the point quite well. Uh, coronavirus and in the bombardment that was 2020 really has changed. Cha- I, I don't know if it's changed America, but it's really shaped our focus. It's refocused what we've what we had been focusing on and. Um, your point, I think, is extremely interesting about those who normally don't hunt that have now taken up an interest in potentially hunting. I think that's really fascinating. I think that's true for a lot of aspects. And um, despite the fact that I was part of the Trump administration, I actually never really considered myself particularly political, even though you made made the point that I ran. I'm actually really impressed that you found that because (laughs) I didn't really run. I put my name on the ballot and literally did nothing else. So (laughs) I know it's out there, but it's not like I have a bunch of old campaign stuff out there, so good job to you on John's your. John's got good contacts. But, well, it, it was cool finding <laughs> it, when
0: it when it was when it was a California political position from uh. San Diego. I went, oh my gosh, you know that's my backyard. <laughs> yeah, and that your name was on, so I just it just kind of caught me on a flag when
3: uh. I was doing yeah. some
0: research. So I thought I thought that was really cool, but it just yeah, thank it. you.
3: I I you know I, I don't even want to say I dabbled with it because I literally just put my name down and then did nothing. <laughs> um, and. So I, I get nervous telling people, oh, well, I'm not particularly political. And then like, oh, but you ran for Congress and you're part of the Trump administration. (laughs) like Okay, maybe I'm political.
2: (laughs) um,
3: So, but now, of course, now that I'm with One American News, that, that has gone kind of completely out the window. Um, I tried much, probably like yourselves and, and your viewers, I didn't want to... I don't know if they pick a side, but I just didn't want to be defined. I wanted to, you know, go issue by issue and what mattered to me and you know, what did I think was important? And I felt once I got a platform and once I, I joined one American news, even initially I tried doing that and conservatives didn't like it. They'd let me know like, Hey, you're on our team, be on our team. Right. And uh, I, you know, they made themselves very clear in that regard, but that wasn't even really what kind of forced me to accept my role as a conservative voice. It was, um, there really weren't many others or or many others that I felt were were making the points that I thought were important to make with the platform that I had with the background that I have. So there's a bunch of Mm. um, conservative podcasts that I think are doing quite well now because, I mean, you guys, even though I know you're not conservative, you know, political, but it's really the the popular podcasts like yourself that I think a lot of people are getting their news from. Even if it's not a news right. podcast, it helps people understand what's going on in the world and um, and in the communities that they're not necessarily a part of. So I think those voices are extremely important. And um, yeah, there were a few times, there, there had been a couple times while I was reporting that I was trying to, you know, be very neutral and fair-minded on what I was reporting. And I just went, sure. no this isn't right. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna accept the fact that keeping kids out of school is okay. And I can't, I can't present it in a way that I think it's okay. And so that was just something for me that and I, I don't have children that you know, it's not something that I, I'm particularly uh, considering myself a voice for children. I think that I don't I don't think that but I just also don't think it's okay to not let parents um, send their kids to school if they want to. Right. So um, I really just kind of embraced you know, what? I'm just gonna be a conservative <laughs> voice because to me there there wasn't a there wasn't a place for me to be in the middle ground so i just kind of was like all right i'm conservative i'm gonna own it and Yeah, Yeah, that's the path I'm going down. You you said something earlier,
2: Christina, that really resonated with me. You called it the information war. And I think John and I have watched this fought on the conservation side as far as, you know, emotions being presented to our our lawmakers rather than science when it comes down to game and fish. And the cougars a perfect example in California that we're not listening to our science. We're listening to our emotions. And that's part of the information war we've fought for years as a, a science agency that we worked for and and doing that and and going based on the science and I think a lot of conservative conservationists want to side with science and not emotion and that that's a game we fight and I think that's the same kind of war you're fighting too isn't it
3: yeah no you're exactly right and and it's funny because the left sorry again I'm not trying to make it political but I think it's political Um, (laughs) the left is saying oh conservatives don't listen to science they don't you know they don't pay attention to science and you know they're not following what the doctors are saying no, we're not following what your doctors are saying. And, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
3: we we like debate. And, and to me, that's really what it came down to is I'm not trying to silence liberals. You can be as crazy as you want to be. I don't I don't care. But don't silence me. You yes. know, I, I've been hemorrhaging probably like you guys too, hemorrhaging Twitter followers and, and social media followers ever since the sixth, like thousands a day. I'm just losing them. And, um, I, you know, my other friends that I've got at one American news. I've lost 100,000 followers just in a week because they're just getting deleted and uh that's not okay it's not okay and and it it is an information war um Mm. to your point you know saying you don't follow the science but that's not actually what the science is saying we we are following the science and the same thing with um you know the the protest calling that protest a violent protest is like calling the kenosha protest a peaceful protest like right right no that's not that's not true. And I mean, there's a lot I can get to. I'm not trying to you know, make this political for you, but there's a lot about the, the protests that occurred on the 6th that it's just not true. It's just not accurate. And I, I don't know that people understand that we're being bombarded with lies to try to change, not just change the narrative, but change our perspective of reality and of what's actually happening. And that's the part where I think it's it really dangerous.
0: Very much agreed. And I, I think you hit, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Christina, when you say that, because one thing we've always been about on this show is, you know, freedom, I mean, everything mm. this great country was founded on and the blessings we share in this amazing country uh, and and what our forefathers and what our whole political process has been since our country was started. And when it comes, like Wayne said, when it comes to conservation, um, we love our wildlife, we love our waterways, we love our wildlands, we love our second amendment rights when reasonable and, and, and done properly um, for all kinds of reasons beyond just hunting. But when you look at all of that, Um, And you look at especially a bias towards one political, excuse me, one political side or another when it comes to, you know, being able to speak out, you know, First Amendment issues, freedom of speech, everything we're seeing with the censorship on the president's account with Twitter. Um, You mentioned losing a bunch of followers. I can't tell you how many, you know. More, you know, how many conservative tactical law enforcement military types in, in, in my particular circle that have businesses that are putting out good information, honest information that suddenly accounts are deleted or or websites are suddenly compromised. And that's that's a scary thing when uh, regardless of where we sit on the political fence, we need to be able to share our information and, and not have censorship or we're going down a really slippery slope. And I know for the perception from the thin green line when it comes to wildlife issues. There's so many things that just aren't getting out to the masses anyway before the censorship started, so it's it's definitely concerning. And whether we want to be political or not, we're kind of forced to stand up for legitimate rights that we that we all believe in. And especially in the conservation circles, um, we're very passionate about it. So, kudos to you for what you're doing out there on the media front, um, especially in D.C. And I know how frustrating it must be to see. This censorship start and see these follower drops and 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 be, be getting given a different perception of reality because ultimately it's not only affecting our day to day lives it's affecting those things that we really care about on the conservation front our our wildlife our outdoors um, our public safety um, some stuff we're we'll talk about a little bit later on the hidden war issue but this is um this is the the craziest I've ever seen it as far as. Voices being stifled on, on yeah, and they're
3: getting really bold.
0: Very much so. Very much so. When when big tech can, you know, stop a Twitter account of the president of the United States indefinitely and randomly decide that, uh, you know, it's just it's mind blowing. And
3: yeah, and not the Ayatollah because the president of the United States (laughs) is more dangerous than the Ayatollah. Okay, like I refuse to oblige their idiot. You know, yeah. Yeah, I know I'm a journalist, I'm supposed to be, you know, impartial, but like that is stupid and I'm not going to pretend like, well, maybe it's reasonable. It's not. It's not reasonable. There's nothing reasonable about what our country is experiencing right now. And um, it's not it's not only naive. I think it's stupid to go. Well, that's appropriate. Right. It's not. It's not appropriate. There's nothing appropriate about it. There's nothing appropriate about completely censoring your opposition. And um, that's, you know, conservatives have been saying this for a while, saying, hey, you know, we think we're getting stifled. We think we're getting censored. And, you know, they've had congressional hearings and committees take up the issue. And, you know, you've got a bunch of finger wagging from Congress, but nothing actually happened. And now we're now we're stuck in a position where we're like, "Okay, Congress, are you going to do something now? And, uh, I you know, I don't know if they will or what's going to happen when Biden or if Biden actually does get inaugurated on the 20th, which it looks like he will, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know what's going to happen, and um, I think a lot of conservatives, to your point, are looking to alternative measures, not just like the parlors and all that, which you know I'm grateful for them and I'm grateful for their platform that used to work before it was taken down, but just really? different, just different methods of getting information out. So, yeah. Well, for-
0: Fortunately, at this point, we're really lucky to have podcast platforms. Um, Mm -hmm. I know for Wayne and I, with Thin Green Line and with Warden's Watch, you know, the followers have been growing because one thing is, we, we we have a pretty unifying message so we have a lot of followers on both sides of the fence yeah we lean a little bit more to the conservative side but we still have the environmental component and you know we're very open-minded to hearing voices and hearing uh you know hearing perceptions from both sides of course we just we just want to you know more unify than polarize. i mean one thing this country doesn't need any more of is polarization mm. because everything is suffering because of it And i know i'm kind of preaching to the choir on that one but um and then on top of the pandemic and some of the wild life crimes, we've seen um, some of the cartel environmental crimes that, you know, we talk about a little bit on the Hidmore platform. Uh, I can say for for a fact that our teams out on the West Coast fighting the cartels directly, doing human trafficking, doing narcotics production and distributing it all throughout the entire nation, um, doing environmental crimes and poisoning water with tainted cannabis production, it is as busy if if not busier than when we started our operations, when we found out that this was just a a huge national problem way back in 2013. And now with, you know, and and getting your perception on this after all the work that was done on the border, regardless of where you sit on the Trump's platform of the wall or not the wall. Um, we know from firsthand experience of working the border that there is impacts there that are positive definitely from that structure. Is it going to solve the problem? Definitely not. But, uh, talking about reduced border patrol presence, reduced law enforcement, reduced uh, conservation officer presence and opening borders to um, pretty much anybody that, that shouldn't be here. And we're not talking about legitimate immigration. We're talking about deportable felons that are on international watch lists and are coming here just to do crime and do harm to America uh, on the American people. Um, It's scary for us, especially on the conservation front to see that as a reality, possibly in the next administration. It's actually, it's really frightening, so certainly, um, you know, what your perception is on that and certainly helping spread that message and and just educating our nation, regardless of political affiliation, it's not a political thing. It's really an American uh, community humanity issue. Um, we want to still push that environmental message all through the next administration and hopefully not get stifled doing it because, we've opened the floodgates to cartel crimes. And it's just one small part of the problem with everything else we're talking about with censorship and certainly other issues that we may not agree on with the next administration coming in, but um, it's a problem. Uh, It's really nice that teams like yours, um, other podcasters, other military teams that I'm starting to work with that weren't aware of this special forces guys coming back with huge, you know, podcast platforms now that weren't even aware of this domestic threat and are they're as enraged as the three of us are, as patriots, as Americans, um, all of us that have done life of service, you in the military, me and Wayne with 30-year law enforcement careers. Um, this is something we're passionate about, and it's a pivotal time, and um, I feel like we're not out of the fight. I feel like we've retired from phase one of uh, operations, and now we're in phase two of of outreach operations, and it's kind of an outreach. We're on the
3: front line again. <laughs> you thought you were retiring. Surprise, you're on the front line.
0: <laughs> yeah and now the front lines. so it, it's just a timely thing in our nation's history. but um all those issues that we're throwing out right here are, are are critical. And something we look forward to working with you on in the future is is more of the the environmental conservation, you know, patriotic component that really will will benefit America as a whole. And it's not a left to right issue, you know, so
3: it's not you you make some really good points. And speaking specifically about conservation and, you know, being, I don't like you said a little bit light, right, light right leaning. Um, it's it's not a political issue, and, and you're proving that point. Uh, I and I've been saying on my show for weeks, if not months now, that this is not Democrat versus Republican. It's the right. political establishment versus the rest of the America, or versus the rest of America, and the issues are not what defines parties anymore. Republicans are not defined as. Gun-toting Christians, right. yeah, there's a lot of those, but and but they're they're conservationists, and you know they're people who care about equal rights for you know a variety number of things. And the same is true on the other on the other side. There's the the lines have blurred so much that the only way, from what I can tell, and when I've tried to do my analysis on things, the only way I can tell there's clear demarcation is between the political establishment who believes they have the right and responsibility to control everybody else versus America. And for example, um, I've, I've been calling them the aristocracy because that's what they're, they're creating. They're creating an elite class and then everybody else. And the aristocracy, you know, we talk about the Joe Biden, the Biden crime family, the Obamas, the Clintons and all that, but you've also got Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, and you've got other Republicans that have just bought into the establishment and, um, push the same message. Now it looks like they don't because, you know, they're in different parties and they, they stand for different things, but at the end of the day, they're not doing anything to help help reveal that the election was stolen, help show all of the fraud that occurred in the voting. Why not? Well, they have something to gain from it. They're the political elite and they want to keep it that way. But both, what I'm not sure that, you know, your everyday Democrat understands is by taking the right away from conservatives, the right to vote for who we want to vote for and the right to elect the president we want to elect, that impacts you too, because it means that you also don't have the right to elect the president that you want elected. Now you might be happy with the outcome because you wanted Biden to win, but it, it actually is robbing you of your voice too. And I, I don't know if that message is coming. I, I know that message doesn't appear to be coming across. Right. Um, and it's really just about the, the elite versus the rest of us. And the elite, they want you to think, if, you know, if they're Democrats, they want you to think they care about the environment, but most of their policies are extremely toxic for the environment. And um, they, they haven't done a lot from what I can tell, they haven't done a lot to actually make things better. So,
0: well, and and to that point, and I know um, what Wayne and I have talked about this a lot is, I know when um, when President Trump was on the campaign trail back in 2016, um, right before um, he he started campaigning very hard, I had the opportunity to meet him and Don Jr. and the rest of the family at a at a private function of conservation sportsmen, tactical guys at the shot show in Las Vegas. Um, and one of the cool things about that opportunity was I got to get in front of both the, well, the soon to be president, but his son, especially who, as you know, Don jr is a huge conservationist Mm -hmm. and he's not the type of conservationist just goes out, gets an animal. that's easy to shoot poses with it, puts on the camouflage. He hunts hard. He's passionate about it. He's been in that realm since he was a child in upstate New York. So from the standpoint of being a game warden. And being a conservationist and a hunter, which Wayne and I both are, you know, when you have somebody, I mean, I'm going to have a little bit of a bias of somebody that's going to understand conservation issues. It's now in a, in a position politically with some influence, um, conservative or not, because um, he certainly has a, a lot of, uh, you know, non-conservative followers as well that are also conservationists, Um That was near and dear to me from the perception of, hey, we can get these game warden issues that we're seeing nationally, um, whether it be cartel crimes, wildlife trafficking, uh, the ivory trade, all these different things, and actually have an ear in a potential influential representative, presidency or not. Um, And that was baffling to me because they had no idea of some of these cartel crimes and some of these wildlife crimes to the depth that game wardens were dealing with. All throughout the nation and the the look that don gave me after talking about the content of my first book because Hidden War was not out yet it was it was war in the woods and we were still two years out from this new new release and even having this tactical unit uh he just went wait a minute we have this in america domestically we have cartels embedded in america that are killing wildlife poisoning water um threatening the public I, we had no idea, and I'm hunting all over the country all the time, and sometimes out of country. So, we didn't have a voice. You know, game wardens is a is a is a presence, or so we don't call ourselves a thin green line for nothing. There's just not that many of us in every given state. So. It's all outreach to get our message out. It's all eyes and ears, you know, turn in a poacher, Cal tip, we tip 1-800 stop poachers, whatever the number may be. Um, so getting to, you know, that level of voice is really critical. And we've done the same thing on the other side of the political fence. And it's sometimes fa- it has fallen on deaf ears in so many ways. Um, I just haven't seen that, that commitment to conservation outside of the current administration, and honestly, we don't know what's next, but we do know that as long as we're not stopped from doing podcasts and everything else and talking to folks like you that are on the media circuit to help put out that, that environmental message that will certainly benefit, again, both sides of the political fence without necessarily be polarizing on it, but unifying and let people see some real data and some real issues in America and decide what their perception of that's going to be. And then maybe make a maybe make a move on you know who they want to vote for and what policies they want to see moving forward because this affects us
3: all. Absolutely, it absolutely affects us all. And um, podcasts are are the last bastion uh, of free speech <laughs> at the moment, right? And they're they're under attack too. The unfortunate reality is they're also under attack, not just from you know, servers not allowing viewers or, you know, not promoting or not what like parlor getting pulled from the app store and the ability to be carried. But the actual servers that that host the podcast and that carry the podcast, they're starting to shut them. They're starting to shut those servers down and, and prevent access from conservative voices onto them. So um, I mean, it's just I don't want to say it's scary because I don't think fear really ever helps anything. So I don't want to give it, you know, enough mm. credit to say that it's scary. But it's a very serious problem that requires everyone's focused attention to try to work through this in the very near future. Because uh, there's certainly a short game and a long game. The long game, you know, we have to figure it out. We have to work it out. But we we really need to focus on the short game and ensure that Americans can keep their free speech uh, in the short term. Because if we lose that, the long game gets a lot harder.
2: Yeah, no for sure. Oh, and uh, I guess I want to ask about the elephant in the room, Christina, well, from your perspective and your position, what happened last week? Because uh, I guess I want to know your thoughts and your perspective on it, because I know yeah. there's, there's outrage on, you know, from from us out, out here. So
3: yeah. um, So there was certainly a coordinated attack from non-Trump supporters, whether it was um, Antifa or some, you know, skinhead groups or like fringe groups that that are not Trump supporters. Uh, we have, you know, Facebook traffic and other social media traffic showing that they had coordinated beforehand. And they said, you know, they had their uh, point of uh, where they were going to meet up to launch this attack, so to speak, the sneak attack, they're basically infiltrating the Trump supporters to cause, uh, to cause some violence and to cause problems. No doubt, there were Trump supporters that got caught up in it, like after, you know, after it started, um, you know, they felt like yeah this is patriarchy whatever but the the vast majority of the people who were actually causing the damage were not trump supporters and we have video and uh testimony of i use statements i shouldn't say testimony statements of individuals you know you i'm sure you've seen them online where the police Mm -hmm. open the door and just let people in they open the gates and um and i made this point on a on another show but um you know, I, I live in Washington, D.C., and I often will go for a run or a walk around the Capitol area. And just on any normal day, you can't just walk up the steps of the Capitol. <laughs> like right. That's just basic, <laughs> right. everyday security. It's not available to the public. And so, it, so, and that's that's just regular day security. But if there's actually an event coming, they they barricaded off much further out, right? You you enlarged the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And so when we saw them, like, walking up the steps, we were kind of like, how are they getting up there? There was absolutely no resistance whatsoever. And now, you know, from the videos, we can see that the police actually let them in. And um, we also have videos of, it looks like Antifa, you know, I don't know which, which group it is, but they were dressed in traditional black block, uh, uniform, so to speak. Right. The guys that were smashing the windows with the batons and you've got Trump supporters like pulling them off the windows and tackling them saying, you know, don't cause violence. You've got the crowds chanting no Antifa, no Antifa. And, um, you know, some of the attorneys on our team have made the point that whenever there's a Trump rally, there's always a counter rally. You know, we always see the response to that. And there was no response to this rally. And we believe that's because the counter protest was inside the Trump's the Trump protest. They infiltrated it and tried in to some extent successfully framed the Trump supporters. Uh, the real tragedy is that there was loss of life. You know, there were. Right. Very one so. i think possibly two individuals that ended up dying as a mm. as a result of the violence and um it was completely unnecessary completely uncalled for and really unprovoked and um you know one of them ashley babbitt the air force veteran who passed away as the result of a police shooting you know where's where's the counter police protest for her and uh, it just goes to show you the hypocrisy and not just hypocrisy but the manipulation of facts to mm. try to to meet their agenda and they know that these protests back in the summer of defund the police and all that they were trying to stir up emotions in Americans, which they, they did, you know, to their detriment. And, um, they're, they're just changing facts and narratives to try to fit the story they want. You can go back and look at the tape, look at the tape of president Trump's speech that says now I know you're marching to the Capitol peacefully, you know, make your voices heard peaceful. He was very clear. It's a peaceful protest. And so for them to impeach him now for, inciting violence is absolutely absurd. What about all the times that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were supporting the BLM protesters that were burning cities? Portland was on fire for like a hundred days and they right. applauded it. You know, what happened to Chaz and CHOP? And it was called the Summer of Love in Seattle. And there were many more people that died there than at the Capitol. And the, the funny thing is, and what, or shouldn't say funny, but the, the odd thing is, um, and what tells me that this clearly was staged was when President Trump said, go home, go home peacefully. Everybody left, you know, in Seattle and Portland and the other cities. They stayed around forever and continued to burn buildings and continued to cause problems. But the Trump supporters didn't do that. They saw there was violence. The president said, go home and everybody left. It was done, but literally it was done by like four o'clock. It wasn't even dark outside when it was over. Right, right. And it's like, how can you compare that to months and months of destruction and violence, millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars of damage done around the country for these BLM protests. And you have a staged protest here at the Capitol and you expect us to believe you should impeach the president for that. That's a, that's absolutely absurd. And again, that goes back to my point that it's an information war. They're trying to change reality. They're trying to change the narrative and get you to believe that something is true. That's, not
2: true. And I don't think the average American thinks about the guerrilla war tactics that are being employed. I you know, I said to so many of my friends, did you see those guys stacking TVs at Walmart? I said that was organized. That was gangs. That was cartels. That was that was an organized yeah. thing that they were stacking those TV ups. They had a purpose for those, you know, whether it was sale or anything. Those those are the, that's the criminal element taking advantage of this, and that's what you don't see. That's what I see, but that's what you don't see, and that's what you need to see. You need to see those those problems, those those guerrilla war tactics that are getting in there. Um, not just fake it's creating news in their what they want to see and what they want to do and whether it's the cartels whether it's the gangs it's moves towards anarchy and yeah every everyone you know and i'm sure it works the other way too i'm sure there is other ways when there's other protests and stuff that people that want their side heard you know stir up the other side so um whether it's save the whale or what
3: (laughs) yeah no you're exactly right i mean this this is war and their weapon Mm. of choice is media you know, yeah. that's that's what they're doing. They're changing, um, changing laws as far as the election goes. You know, the governors and secretaries of state took it upon themselves to do the job of the legislature. They changed laws in, in many of these states to make illegal voting legal. I mean, it wasn't even legal. It was just acceptable. They were like, OK, we're not going to care right. about it. This yeah. election. And um, so they they took it upon themselves to change law. And the media is not doing anything about it. the media is assisting them in that. And um, I, don't, I don't even know if most Americans understand the level of fraud that occurred in this election. And
2: I don't think they don't. I don't. Know. I, I, don't I don't think I do. To be honest with you, I just don't think it's been reported enough. And, and and I I hope that it gets investigated properly. As a former investigator, I see those things. Yeah, it won't. You know, I it's see those ladies, ladies them taking them. those suitcases out from underneath and counting ballots, and I'm like you know I'm, I'm hoping that got investigated properly because if john and i saw someone dragging deer out from underneath the you know a table and processing them guess what we would be all over that we would be you know looking at that we would be deciphering it. we'd be doing interviews we'd be you know figuring that stuff out and in no, the end we would have up.
3: they're hiding it georgia uh, oh excuse me sorry georgia uh, and the fbi they're they're covering it up and hiding it and i know uh, the department of homeland security we saw those videos of the ballots getting shredded in georgia and the Department of Homeland Security sat on it for a week, turned it over to the FBI who turned it over to the secretary of state of Georgia. And where are they? Where are they? Where'd they go?
0: Yeah, we're, we're, we're not hearing it. And I think, I think what happened at the Capitol and all of this misinformation and all of this motivation and, and definitely there's some subversion there. There's no way you can look at the evidence as much as you want to believe in the, in the American political process and say that it's be done. It's being done honestly and appropriately. And I think what Wayne just said is a good point. We on the outside sometimes don't see the depth of it. You're a lot closer to it, obviously, which is great. It's great. You're having that. That's why I'm asking these questions now.
2: (laughs) I have you. Closer to it.
0: Yeah. You're right there. (laughs) Yeah, but exactly. Being so close to it, you're seeing things that, that we're not aware of. And I think it last week was probably the most heartbreak breaking Mm. I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, The most disappointed, the most disgusted. Um, with just our nation's process that it has gotten yes. to that point. And now that media is so many, it's it's so manipulable, for lack of a better word, it can be manipulated so easily with technology left or right. And especially with what's happening with the new administration right now, it's, it's absolutely frightening. And if we don't get the right message out and we don't stop, we don't start looking at each other from a humanitarian standpoint and, uh, you know, stop this polarizing hate on both sides. We're not going to have enough alliance to get to the bottom of the fraud, right? That's We're not. That, gonna- I don't
3: think. I don't think conservatives. And maybe this is me being biased, but I don't get the sense that conservatives hate Democrats or don't want Democrat voices heard. I really think this is no, one. No, it's true.
0: I agree. I agree. Like, we- I
3: don't care if someone wants to be crazy and say something that I think is absolutely bananas. Like, you can't figure out what gender you are. Like, go for it. I don't mm-hmm. care. That's but, the,
0: that's the beauty of our country, right?
3: Because I call myself a she, um, exactly. no, no, no. We're exactly. yes.
0: <laughs> yes. not going to
3: do that. So,
0: <laughs> right. Right.
3: I, yeah. So I, I think it's, it's one-sided and conservatives aren't, aren't stepping up, but um, to the, the point about the voter fraud uh, or the, just the election fraud in general um, it's, it's quite, quite staggering. And I are I, like, It's not just the fraud. It's the level of betrayal. We have absolutely been betrayed by our leaders, including Mike Pence. I don't know if you guys are aware. Are you aware that four of the six contested states sent letters to the legislature? So sorry, I'm going to get legal for a second. But Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution vets the authority, solely vets the authority with the state legislators to select the electors. Now, in most states, the legislators have delegated that responsibility to the Secretary of State or somebody just says, once it comes in, just send it and go. But the responsibility to ensure the integrity is with the state legislatures. Now, there were obviously issues with many states, but we picked six, kind of seven, if you include New Mexico, to really challenge it on. And four of those six states, the legislatures, the ones who actually have the authority, all sent letters to Vice President Pence saying, we think there was fraud in our state, send the vote back to us so that we as the state legislators can actually select the electors that we want selected they didn't say they were going to select trump electors they said we want to take another look at it we have the constitutional authority to decide send the votes back to us and let us decide and he refused to do it for the six states he refused to do it why why would he not do that after they specifically asked him to do that so i don't know i mean i think there's just I i have no information about his motive but i can Look at it, you know. Look at the circumstances and guess. But um, it's it's really appalling that our legislators were asking for help, and Vice President Pence refused to provide it. Um, so it, it's really disheartening. And you got the same thing from <clears throat> from the Congress. The Congress could have made recommendations saying it needs to go back to the to the, <clears throat> it needs to go back to the state legislatures because there was a lot of fraud, a, apparent fraud in these states. Let the state legislatures actually make the decision for their respective states. Not a single Republican in Congress suggested that. Not one.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty mind blowing. I know from uh, the standpoint of being an investigator myself, and you know Wayne as well, like you just mentioned, um, when that whole issue came up. It was within two or three days. We haven't found sufficient evidence to investigate any further. And this is generalities. This is what we know. You, obviously, you're you're pointing out some things we're not even aware of. Right. And I think the American people as a mass are not aware of because that's just not making it to the mainline agenda in, in news. Right. Um, to your point. But, um, yeah, it seemed very quick. Uh, It seemed the decision was made like ridiculously quick for the magnitude of the issue. And that again, put nothing but doubt in the system that this thing was not investigated properly, who knows to what level, but there was definitely an extreme level from what the evidence pointed out of what we saw as far as fraud and not being investigated properly. And it just, it blows, you know, it blows me away as a, uh, an investigator that takes pride in doing 110% effort on a complete investigation, given the information I can collect or given the information Wayne can collect or our teams can collect uh, for any type of crime, whatever it may be, to come up with a decision like we've hit an impasse, we can't go any further, we don't have enough to make a judgment one way or the other, but at least we've exhausted all the avenues. And that clearly in, uh, it clearly in this case did not happen.
3: No, it, that's, it didn't.
0: And uh, that doesn't, you know, fend well for faith in our system going forward, you know, yeah. um, in any election. No, so,
3: and we it, have we have more, more than enough evidence to show that the election was stolen, not just prove that fraud occurred, but to show that it actually changed the outcome of the election. We have it. And for whatever reason, it's being covered up by most media outlets. You know, of course, one America is reporting on it. Um, but, for example, in Pennsylvania, you know, the the margin of victory however you want to call it, the difference between Biden and Trump in Pennsylvania is 82,000 votes, roughly. Right. There are instances looking at the machine data. And this is data that's publicly available. This isn't me guessing. Like we had forensic data analysts look at the data that was pushed out on election night. And there was a spike of over 330,000 votes that were automatically just uploaded instantaneously. And like there weren't enough machines in Pennsylvania to <laughs> it was, process the That was
0: technologically that. and physically impossible. Yeah, it's
3: like weird. Oh, look, he, Biden just got 330,000 votes. Um, yeah, yeah. That coupled with the ballots that were run through in the middle of the night, Biden, Biden likely received, from what, what we can tell from public information, Biden got 1.5 million extra votes. And that doesn't include the votes that were switched because we can't tell that without a forensic exam, right? Right. And then you go to Antrim County, Michigan. I don't know if you're familiar with the forensic report that was done in Antrim County, Michigan. Are you, are you tracking that? Are you guys familiar with that? No, uh,
0: a little bit. I don't know the details, but I'm so, aware of the issue.
3: Uh, so the there was a court in Antrim County, Michigan that actually gave the, i say the Trump team, but you know, there's a number of different groups um, participating in, in researching this, but gave uh, our team the ability to do a forensic audit of, I think, I can't remember if it's 16 or 22. It was either 16 machines or 22 machines. Um, And consistently, all, we'll say 16 machines, all 16 machines had a 68% error rate. 68% error rate. According according to federal law, you can't use machines that have more than a 0.0008% error rate. And yet we're just glossing over the fact that they had a 68% error rate. What that means is, of a hundred people that go in to cast their ballot, sixty-eight percent, sixty-eight of those one hundred were decided by somebody other than the person who cast the vote. So you come in, I'm working at the poll. You come in, you cast your ballot, error, and then it goes, it, you know, it goes off to the side, and then I get to go and say he meant to vote for Trump or he That's meant to vote me. for Biden. Like I get to choose who you voted for. That happened 68% of the time across all of the machines in some of the counties, it was as high as 80%, which 80%, like that is astronomical and should not be acceptable in the United States of America. Yet they want you to believe that. Oh no, it's totally fine. Another thing that they did, they did, they have batch adjudication. Sorry. I know I'm on a rant, but I'll stop in a second. (laughs) But um, they have what's called batch adjudication where you know, people go in, vote, Some one person votes, person votes, next person votes, next person votes, next person votes. Let's say there's a thousand people. All of those get dubbed as an error and they're like put in, it's a batch. They're put in like a holding bin to be adjudicated later. They can batch adjudicate. Let's say there's a thousand ballots waiting for someone to go, go through them and figure out who they voted for. You can right. cast all those thousand ballots for the exact same person. That's what they did. So there'd be a thousand people. Oh, we don't know who they voted for. They probably voted for Biden and it's done and that's it. Mm. Like, how are we okay with that? We wouldn't accept that. I mean, you know, serving overseas, if we're running, if the UN is running an election in Iran, they would not tolerate that. Right. Like, right. Why are we doing that here in the United States?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're just, it's, it's, it's allowed because we don't know. You know, the bottom line is the tech, the technicals of what you just explained. Which, um, Thank you for doing that because it lays out the numbers. It lays out the skew. It lays out the percentages. It, it lays out how blatant and how extreme it was. And that's based on evidence. That's yeah. forensic data. That's the, uh, that's the investigations that were done correctly. And that's in a couple instances, a couple of states not to mention all the other states that we have questions in and everything else that the American public isn't seen on the mass media channels to that and, level. And it there's state
3: governments. The governments are covering it up. The governments are preventing them. So Arizona is a great example. So the Arizona state Senate subpoenaed a forensic exam of the machines in Maricopa County, because there was a lot of concern of fraud in Maricopa County. So the Senate said, Hey, we want to do a forensic exam of the machine. We're issuing a subpoena Go examine them. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, last I checked, not as powerful as the Senate. The Maricopa right. County Board of Supervisors blocked it and said, no, we're not going to do it. Make, they made the Senate take them to court, which is fine, but they're essentially running out the clock. Why wouldn't they let the Senate? It, like This is government. This is all within the Arizona government. This isn't a private citizen. This isn't somebody from the Trump campaign. This is just the state of Arizona trying to police itself. Right. They're getting blocked by their own people. Why? If it's a free and fair election, it should be perfectly fine to just take a look at the records. And okay, they match. Fine. The reason they're doing it is because they don't match. They they don't match.
0: Yeah, there would be no other reason to, yeah. to
3: there's keep no reason to block the all of it. Same thing in Georgia. Georgia's preventing mm-hmm. audits, Pennsylvania's preventing audits. They're they're blocking audits, they're blocking review of the ballots. There, we this happened in Arizona. We said we just want to look at the ballots, like just let us see them and like make sure they exist because your voter turnout is greater than the number of registered voters. So we're not sure you've received all of those ballots or who voted twice or what. Let us look at it. No, they're not giving us access. And those are facts, you know,
2: when you have more votes than voters. So, yeah, you know, that, that's something how you can look happen. at and, <laughs> and, and start to breaking down on how that happens. And then, uh, but but why, why is this? St- I keep hearing there's no evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence everywhere.
3: There's a, a ton of evidence. There's literally truckloads of evidence. There's forensic exams of machines. There are, it's done, like it's not all done in all the states because mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we're getting blocked in certain areas, but there's forensic exams on the machines. There's experts who have done data analysis of the information that was pushed out on election night, you know, you've got the charts of like Mm -hmm. second by second of the vote. So we Mm -hmm. had experts analyze that data. We had experts go through the voting rolls and see that, for example, in Nevada, over 42,000 people voted twice in Nevada and the margin of error or the the victory margin in Nevada is only 33,000. So that right there cancels out the the difference in the state. In Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. over 205,000 people more people voted than our registered voters 205,000
2: hear that that's and insane
3: what... they had to do that because trump had won by so much that they had to in- include so many more ballots that they actually went 205,000 over the number of registered voters it's wow in georgia 66,000 in change juveniles voted people under the age of 18 in arizona 36,400 non-citizens voted so in and of itself <laughs> non-citizens could have decided the election in arizona Wow! Like this is all stuff that's documented. Why people are going? Well, we don't know. There's evidence. There's a ton of evidence. There's a heck of a lot more evidence on this than there was on the Russia collusion. Mm. So, I like it's baffling to me. I don't understand why people aren't outraged. Absolutely outraged.
0: I
2: I don't think they know. I I really don't. I mean,
3: yeah, uh,
0: yeah. They they don't know, Christina. They definitely don't know the magnitude of it, um, and they're not seeing it as. You know, they're not seeing it as tangible. They're just seeing it as a very ambiguous, well, we're hearing it from both sides. It was rigged. There's evidence. No, there's not. This is what we've done. This is the solution we've got. But no one's looking at the actual data, you know. Right. And that's the problem. That's exactly
3: right. And that's why the secretaries of state all pulled it down. Because once we started doing the analysis going, hey, there's more voters than registered voters. Hey, there's dead people that voted. Hey, these people voted twice. (laughs)
1: They oh, the
3: all took the data down. Normally that's Ooh. supposed to be publicly available information. So now right, right. the general public can't even go and research it for themselves. You have to be with someone who actually pulled that data on election night, which thankfully, you know, the Trump team has, has a lot of that data. Um, but you can't go confirm what I'm saying unless I send you the information. And then what's the difference between me emailing it to you or me telling you, you know, it's all coming from me as True. opposed to going directly to the secretary of state's website. But like, for Michigan, for example, the Secretary of State was a complete disaster in Michigan. They changed the numbers. They had, they had Trump winning Michigan, and then they pulled it down, and then it came up, and it, the numbers didn't match what they actually reported to the Secretary of State. Like, it was a disaster. So they just took it down and were like, oh, we don't know, we can't figure it out, so we're just going to leave it off.
0: Yeah, we're out. Yeah. yeah,
3: and so now no one can go check, unless, you know, you go to OAN's website. We've got the numbers up and everything, but um, unless you go and do that, they're making it extremely difficult to find, because they all cheated.
0: Well, this is, this is incredibly valuable information that you're putting out there that, um, you know, Wayne and I aren't even up on the depth of that from some of the numbers of the examples of a few States you just mentioned Mm -hmm. Um, with what you're going to be doing from the media standpoint with your network and what you see going into the next administration. One, do you see any solutions to get more information out for everything from the cheated election, voter fraud, everything that's happened to this point? And and what's your next steps?
3: So... I don't know. I, I'm leaving in, intentionally leaving the near future a bit ambiguous because I want to be open to solutions beyond what I can think of at the moment, to be honest. Sure. Sure. Uh, I love that answer. But,
2: but, <laughs> well, these are unconventional times. I love that answer. So. Yeah, I don't <laughs> that wrong, so I'm, I'm going to use gonna that because I usually just say, I don't know. I'm going to leave it, it open. I, mean, gonna, you know, <laughs> I love yeah. it.
3: So I don't, Yeah, the truth is, I, I don't know. But what I do know is that the level of corruption and the level of um, cheating and fraud and lies and manipulation and everything that is so terrible and so against the Constitution of the United States that happened in this, it's corrosive, right? It's corrosive of everything. And we have seen such a huge level of corrosion that I personally believe it can't withhold its own weight. Like it will have to crumble. And I am hoping it crumbles Mm. in the very, very near future that they can't bear the weight of what they've built up. Um, I don't know when that will happen or what that will look like. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to see the opportunity of, like, what strings can I pull? And, you know, what what facts can I push back on to try to make this thing crumble? Because it it cannot cannot stand. And so
2: they won um, the battle, but the war, they can't sustain the war.
3: That's what I'm I'm hoping, you know, yes. if, if if Americans give them the authority to do it, if Americans mm. go, oh, well, you know, so we lost our freedom of speech. I guess I'm a liberal now. If they do that, mm. then it sustains it. Right. Right. But the more people that resist and the more people that go, no, that's wrong. That, you know, that's not right. That's corrosive. That's evil or whatever you want to call it. Um, the less power they're going to have. And I, I think Americans are are standing up. You know, they might not know the facts. They might not know the numbers the way I rattle them off. But people can know something's weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely and as long as we continue to hold people accountable. Or, or I say continue like we've done it. But um <laughs> as long as we try to hold people accountable to some to whatever level of authority we have, they, it has to crumble. I just it just has to crumble. It's not sustainable. So I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for that opportunity and watching to see like where's where's the weak point and still working on that.
0: And you and your team at OANN will definitely be continuing to bring this to the attention on all of your outlets, of course, um, as we get into the new administration and and anything else that comes up. And certainly, um, whatever you guys can do or want to do to push that thin green line conservation, Mm. you know, the the environmental component and how that's going to be changed or affected um, moving forward we'd certainly appreciate and, yeah, and certainly to do we'll, a
3: story with you on it. We can. Yeah.
0: And we'll, we'll help any way we can as well. So yeah. I, I look forward to that. We, we both do. And, uh, man, it's, it's a big fight for you right now. Uh, yeah. you know, and thank right. You I know for, I
3: get very passionate. I'm living, I'm like, no, there's fraud. We like, That's awesome. We like, no, passion. It's awesome.
0: It's, we, like passion. we like passion because it's just, there's not, you know, honestly, Christina, we, I see this all the time. I see it in and, and uh, you know, not, not going to play the, you know, the old salt card necessarily, but, I see a lack of passion. Um, mm-hmm. Wayne and I talked about this a lot with other guests going through the pandemic, um, going through uh, I you know, when everybody was on lockdown of a lack of passion for core things that we grew up loving and admiring and respecting and appreciating. The appreciation for what we have in this great nation that we take for granted every day, that some of us have had to work, struggle for, shed blood for. You know, to you know, coin a phrase, um, some of that seems lost. A lot of it seems lost as we get further and further down this, um, you know, this rabbit hole of that of kind of came to a boiling point in what we saw last week. You know, we talk about what happened at the Capitol, and you look at all the subversion to put on a show to put an image out there to really just erode the our, our political system of everything that that's built such a great nation. And without the passion, we're never going to get that back you know, so kudos to what you do with your passion. I know we're passionate about the same issues. Um, We're all, you know, one team. And um, I think we're a small but passionate team. And I think that's the only way we're going to make a difference. And I know we're going to continue to do so. And being able to talk to you about that today on this forum, that will definitely get some views. It's a real treat. And we appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And I'm grateful for your podcast and everything you guys are doing
2: yeah definitely well, the engagement <laughs> Christina saying you know you know, we always take the facts as investigators, and we we keep digging, we keep digging, and that's that. That's what, you know, I, I love getting that, that other side, and that's why I wanted to know from someone who was there what was going on, because I wasn't there, and frankly, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Isn't that sad? And I think yeah. as conservation, is hunters and fishermen, I, I remember the post, and it tore my heart out that guys, right after the election, you know, they, they, there was pictures of them fishing and hunting, and what changed for you? What changed for you? You know, and I'm like, you know, you guys don't get it, really, one side or the other, you know, you need to be engaged, you need to be conservationist. You need to care. Yeah, it's great that we have hunting and fishing, but we need to be engaged in those things that that made that forest, that keeps that forest. Because if you look around the world, we are so lucky that we can experience the outdoors the way we do. Go try to hunt in England. Go try to hunt in Germany. You know, it, yeah. it's 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 a totally different world, and it starts wearing away on our constitutional rights. That first one, that freedom of speech, that now. Things are taking down, regardless of like you said, what they say. If you don't like the president, what he says, it's freedom of speech. If you don't like what the next president says, it's freedom of speech. If you don't like what John and I say, it's freedom of speech. Don't listen to us. Uh, It's it's just that is the fundamental a constitutional right and when that starts wearing on that starts wearing on me too that the start we're starting to control what people are listening to and then we're controlling their minds and that we're we're making them understand what we want our agenda to be because we are you know the above people and this is what you should think so we are going to control what you listen to and how you perceive things so and thank you for for bringing out the other side right now it seems like a quiet voice cuz you know, you, you engaged us with a lot of different things thank you for doing that we appreciate that uh so and you've been a great guest and so certainly like the backdrop, uh, you, you have a great, if, if anybody's listening on Patreon, you, you, you got to, you know, watch this as well. You know, Christina is a very <laughs> classy you. lady. I tried. Um, it's like
3: the only nice part of my house. I like, I all the nice I it's it's like beautiful.
1: It's dinner. so, you're uh, so color coordinated. It is. It's classy. Is, it's is it's awesome. I, um,
3: I won't show you the rest of it. And, and,
2: and if you're yeah. listening to her, you got to see her too, because you, you wonder, you know, this passionate girl and, uh, you know, it's... It's always good to see the, the passion, I think as well, because she, her arms are flailing and she is just <laughs> passionate, just like me and John, me and John are, are going to, going to town too. So it, it's nice to see the passion too, as well as hear thank the passion you. for our podcasters. That's for sure. So, but thank, thank you for you. joining us. I hope us. your
3: listeners made it this far. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you
0: bet. And, and one and one last thing, Christina, you know, you, you are in the heart of it right now. And I mean, um, it goes without saying, just watch your mm. six, um, you know, thanks for all you're doing and uh, situational awareness at its maximum right now, given where you're gonna be reporting and yeah. uh, never know what's next. So yeah. thanks so much and and uh, love all you're doing.
3: Thank you, you as well. Thanks, guys.